When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yellowstone, Season 2, Episode 1, A Thundering, is over, but we're just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Welcome back, my friends. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly, out here on the internet, and I, of course, am not alone. As always, I am joined by the immeasurable Grace Leader. Grace, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go to the bar. I hope it's pleasant and not disruptive at all. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be quite a peaceful, uneventful night. Uh, Be careful of rogue pool cues out there. Don't want the Yellowstone boys. Uh-huh. It's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Grace, we're back with season two of Yellowstone. The season two premiere has aired, and we're just getting started. Uh, We're going to talk through a thundering. What did you think just off the top of your head as we're getting back into it? The beginning of season two. How'd you feel about it? I think I really liked it. I thought I, we talked last time about how the finale maybe for me left a little bit to be desired, but I knew that the show had more show. So we knew like, obviously it's, it's uh, finished airing half of season five. So there was more to go. And so while I thought that maybe like as a complete season of TV, it felt incomplete, but it's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, tomorrow I'll go watch another episode of Yellowstone. So it's fine. And I do think that they set up a bunch of stuff that I think is pretty interesting. Um, uh, this episode, some of it is this, you know, continuation of stuff we've seen from season one and some of it feels, um, fully new so um yeah I, I quite i quite liked it so uh excited to chat with you about it me too i could really feel the season two energy as we come back like certain scenes it just feels a little bit bigger and a little bit more polished certainly a little bit more focused in the writing i think to your point we just end up with coming out of the first episode of a second season a much cleaner trajectory like some of my criticism of season one was that the uh, some of our plot lines were a little bit muddled and obfuscated and it was kind of hard to track the through line and i think they did a really good job uh setting 
up the stakes and the conflict and the tension in our players as we're about to dig into season two. I've got a little bit of a long, short recap that I'll give you, and then we can talk it through. What do, what do you say? Let's do it. Let us do it. So season two, episode one opens to a scene of Thomas Rainwater watching fire spread. We cut to John and the boys as they arrive at a tough location to rescue the herd from the encroaching fires. It's only reckless if you can't see it through, says John Dutton. Uh, ultimately, a newcomer played by Stephen Williams arrives at the ranch looking for day work, and John sends him to speak with Casey rather than Rip. Jamie is with Christina, still pursuing his campaign, and Beth is securing a space for herself here in Montana and prepping a counter campaign against her brother, Jamie. Uh, Thomas Rainwater meets with the tribal leadership to discuss his plan about the new casino, but he faces some pushback about the idea. He does, however, have a vision for the path forward, but he needs their approval to receive the loan and make it happen. Uh, Monica's meeting with a rep from the university about the job that she turned down. She wants to do both jobs, remaining at the high school and taking on the professor position. She has a strong idea about what kind of Native American history she wants to teach. And while the position is no longer available, they agree that they can find her a place to teach in the history department for now. Uh, Beth and John are going to meet with a young woman named Cassidy and discuss a plan of her running against Jamie. She wonders why they aren't supporting Jamie, and they explain that they just want what is best for Montana and think that she will be that. Um, the ranchers, meanwhile, are eating as the new guy who names himself Cowboy gets into it with Jimmy. Rip warns him that there's no fighting on the ranch and Cowboy wanders off to have a conversation with Walker as they catch up clearly having worked together before. Walker warns him that this ranch isn't like anywhere else that he's been and tells him that he should make a U-turn and Walker says he should keep an eye on Rip and all the rest of the boys here and tells him that when Cowboy leaves, he is going with him. Uh, Casey, meanwhile, goes to see Monica and Tate. She says she doesn't want to keep him from his son, but she needs to shield the child from what Casey has done. He goes back to watch Tate sleep, and Monica cries in the living room. Beth, meanwhile, meets with her boss, Bob Schwartz. She has a plan to buy up all the land surrounding the ranch. It's a long game that sees government kickbacks and agriculture incentives finance the entire acquisition. Bob can see that he would make a tidy profit, but he wants to understand her motivations. Um, and she explains that she's not just making money. She is digging a 200 square mile moat around her father's land. Bob tells her to start gobbling the land up and not to haggle on the price. Meanwhile, the ranchers are back to playing cards and Cowboy convinces the lot of them to play a hand of Cowboy Poker, where they sit in the middle of the pen while the bull goes loose. Rip sends them off to a bar if they want to spend the night getting drunk, and they head to said bar where they will get into a scrap that's going to lead Casey and Rip to return, where they will let a bull loose in the establishment and then beat the men who fought the ranchers within an inch of their lives. Walker refuses to participate and Rip warns that he will take the brand back. Uh, John, meanwhile, finds Dan Jenkins eating breakfast who he says loves Montana. He says uh, he didn't call the sheriff because he wants John on the Yellowstone when he takes it from him. And John tells him that he ain't getting cut down next time and leaves. Back on the ranch, John collapses and starts coughing up blood. They drag him into the vet trailer and determine this is not coming from his cancer, but rather a ruptured and bleeding ulcer. And with no time to get to the hospital and no medicine that's safe for them to use on him, they cut him open and quarterize the wound, that he may bleed out and die if they do nothing. Cowboy jumps in to help as they quarterize the ulcer, and he then faints on the table while they load him into a helicopter with Casey. He wakes up mid-flight, and Casey tells him at least he doesn't have cancer, but John notes that he has so much to undo before he is done. That is the season premiere of season two of Yellowstone, Grace. Uh, where do you interest it, and where do you want to start? So much stuff happened, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I always kind of like ending where, or beginning where we ended, which is John's collapse, right? So um, this is a thing, I thought it was so interesting in season one that it it takes a little while for this to be revealed that John has cancer. I think it's like mm -hmm. 
three or episode three or four in a nine episode season that we find out that he has cancer, that he had had surgery to remove anything. So he's fine. And then it kind of like, he's still pretty sick. And then, um, yeah, this, this thing at the, at the end and, and the, the, you know, the storyline here, right. Has been these, these threats to John Dutton and the Yellowstone ranch and this being one of them, you know, I know like uh, back in English class, when you get taught about like the types of stories there are, and it's like, is it, you know, uh, apologies for the patriarchal language, but man versus man or man versus, you know, self or man versus nature or whatever. And we get basically John Dutton is man versus everything. It's yeah. like, you know, uh, everybody basically uh, out, out to get him. And he's a I man do... beset on all sides. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this is a story that is no stranger to our television screens um, uh, in the last, you know, five or six years, which is the man who built everything who is now facing some sort of mortality to a degree. Right. And and then whether or not uh, can he uphold his legacy? What was it all worth if you have nobody who will uh, succeed you and carry on um, in your legacy? So I think unsurprising for me that that's where we basically end the first episode of season two is sort of um re-hammering home this point of like this is a man who it might not be cancer but he has a ruptured uh, ulcer and you know uh, he's got to figure out how to move forward he's like an, an old an older man who is like you know trying to keep just keep moving forward and he's tough old bastard but it's tough it is tough. I love yeah. it. I mean, I think that um, we talked a bunch in season one, certainly about legacy and the idea that does he even think any of these kids will be able to do the job or were worth the job or who is he trying to save this ranch for is this idea that John himself articulates to Rip as we're closing out season one. And I do think that the storyline of his cancer, it's a little bit underplayed. It's part of the kind of subtext more so than a prominent issue that the kids are aware of. Like mm -hmm. while we as the audience become aware of John's illness the children aren't aware of it until near the end of the season right and the right. fact that it just is kind of obfuscated in that way I think it pulls away from like the thematic strength that they're playing with in season one of a man who's trying to preserve his legacy who knows that the sand is running out of his hourglass grace and he's only got so much time and he's got too much to do he will never be able to achieve everything that he hopes to within the span of days that he has left in this world World, right. So I think it's much clearer the way we've reset here and this notion, the big like point that Casey's making of like, presumably the vet has cleared him of cancer, Grace, as they put him on the table in the horse trailer. She's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. It's not the cancer that you're throwing up blood. That's the wrong type of cancer for that. Um, and then they go through this like ferocious kind of surgery again with like such incredible over the top drama. We get yeah. through most of the episode without any real catastrophic series of events until John collapses and begins coughing up this blood and everything melts down. Um, but I think it's a pretty clear through line as we finish the episode out with him just talking about how much he has to undo. Um, yeah. One of the things Jamie talked about in season one, Grace, is the notion that he's not about progress. He's the opposite of progress. And I think right. in that sense, like right. we get that very clearly from John Dunn's mouth. He's looking to undo a lot of the changes that the modern era has wrought on the Wild West that he calls his home in that way, which I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to just circle it back a little bit before that prior to john like going to the ranch and collapsing he has a little bit of a facetime it's a it's a regular pacino de niro sitting down at the diner a la he mm -hmm. grace as he's gonna sit down with dan jenkins the return of dan jenkins who should be dead <laughs> we talked about it at the end of season one i knew this was coming i'm curious how you feel about it now that they did it yeah, I mean, I know that they play poker uh, in the show, but Rich, you showed your hand last episode. You're like, you think Dan is dead? <laughs> like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I, I do about not play poker, very notably. I'm not trying to give away all my hard-earned money to my friends. I am not a good bluffer. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. It's fine. I was like, you know, I should have. To me, that was not like... Oh, Rich, you ruined it for me. It's like, oh man, I'm maybe I'm not that good at watching TV. <laughs> well, know? I think like, that there's a like, little bit of yeah. that because I think I mean I remember watching the show through the first time, and like it just never even occurred to me that Dan was dead. When you have like a Danny Houston yeah. character like that, and yeah. we don't end with the like shot. I could see the shot, Grace, uh -huh, where uh -huh. where season one finale ends with the silhouette of Dan Jenkins' corpse like swinging in the breeze, right? And if we didn't see him dead on screen, I always have to leave a question 
question. So I don't know if that's just me being like cynical and jaded. Like I found it almost really refreshing that you were like, oh, Dan's dead. I can't even believe it. It kind of hit me like a wrecking ball. I was like, oh my God, is that what people think? Listen, Holy I'm God. trying to watch the show exactly as my dad, what Taylor, Sh- <laughs> I guess my mom, <laughs> my mom and dad, when they're like, you know, this, you know, they're not thinking about this for another hour after they watched the show you know they're like that that was an episode of tv what what else is on you know yep. what, what's yep. done next you know yep. oh family feud you know that's we watch a lot of family feud at my house when i go home and stay with my parents um but uh but yeah um so anyway dan shows up and yeah we get the i i mean john basically is like yeah but if you try to do anything else i'll kill you as if the message was not sent when he they almost killed him that they might kill him should they need to um, but yeah, he's going to confront them again. I did like the scene. I mean, I like them in the scenes together. So yeah, yeah. Actually, really... what I thought was really interesting, Rich. Sorry, just really quickly, mm-hmm. is that he says, "I haven't talked to you since your do- your son died," which means that scene that is so memorable, it sticks out of my head, has to be from episode one because that's the last time they talked. I thought it was so fascinating that they actually, yeah, we haven't seen them on screen together in nine episodes. No, they're these like juggernauts that are moving their pieces around on the board, right? They all have like players here. Dan left. So, I mean, Dan's pieces really equate to money and capital that he's able Mm -hmm. to move around. But ultimately they're, they're just these um, entities that are posed against each other and pitted against each other in episode one. And John is really good at like delegating responsibility. Like you guys do the attempted murder for me, right? This is part of the branding that is happening with the ranch hands. So, I did like the way that they approached the exposition necessary in that scene of John, like acknowledging like, Oh, I'm surprised you could even handle solid foods. And even <laughs> Danny Houston, like Dan Jenkins is doing the, like the, the sort of gravelly voice. He sounds yeah. a little bit like me as he's like, Oh yeah, it was rough. This breakfast is real good. though." <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then John ultimately, you know, the way that Dan's going to explain like, Oh, this is why I didn't call the cops. And there are no actual repercussions for the attempted murder, which like, okay we buy it we buy it and then john being like yeah if you do it again next time i'm gonna go hang you and we're not gonna cut you down so we get like the off-screen explanation of what happened here they Mm. really just scared him a little bit uh they cut him down they sent him back out into the world and now these guys are are playing uh you know big time with each other yeah um yeah i mean for as much as dan was like hanged he is like i'm not leaving like i i like montana i've learned to love it i'm gonna stay so interesting and he's appears in the opening scene as well with thomas rainwater as thomas rainwater has this vision of like montana burning right which is so it's so interesting this idea the this this is where we open the episode and where we end the episodes i have to undo uh so much to undo and yet what thomas is seeing in his vision is like the burning of montana like Mm -hmm. the burning of the land and so they both feel like they're trying to preserve something right uh like and they see the other one as the arbiter of the destruction of of that of the thing that they're trying to to maintain that's really it's really interesting and it was i thought it was great but the opening scene was tremendous um, and I love the choice to start on obviously uh, Gil Birmingham as Thomas Rainwater, uh, and then and then Danny Houston is in there uh, as well. But just interesting when you when you look back and think, okay, that's where they started and ended. That's you know that to me that has been the biggest theme of the show, but also where I've always been a little bit the most interested in. I think of like John Dutton as a character himself being probably the best part of the show, and so what's he all about? Is this man who's trying to preserve everything, and then you have this foil to him who is also saying. Like, stop doing all the stuff you're doing. You're destroying, you're destroying it, right? It's so it's so fascinating. They both can basically have the same mindset, and that, but in that way, also be complete. It's like when, um, when your siblings or your family, you're too much alike. <laughs> it's like you mm-hmm. like you butt heads because you're we're like we're all stubborn, you know. In my family, I think you're spot on with that assessment. You know, I mean, uh, your dad Taylor Sheridan. I keep saying it, but he notably <laughs> talks about how he likes mm-hmm. simple plotting and straightforward stories, so that we can interrogate the emotional motivation of our characters a little bit. And fundamentally, these guys are trying to do something that they see as bigger than themselves. Like right. they both certainly perceive this 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 task that they've given themselves as altruistic in a sense but i think it's also like fully feeding their individual narcissism uh this podcast coming out in the early days of november 2023 grace you and i just completed our uh, fall of rome coverage where we talked about the hbo series rome every day in october and i can't help but make some connections there part of it's just because i think about rome every day now yeah that's right <laughs> but like the way that these guys are so driven driven by their 
ego, right? Like both of them are narcissistic enough to believe that they can achieve this idea and this goal. And they're both like egocentric enough to believe that like it is altruistic. It's for the betterment mm -hmm. of all these other people, right? Like John's operation and any kind of business to this degree when you're running like agriculture is like a field that I'm vaguely familiar with, but it employs a lot of people, right? There's a whole like life of people, a community that revolves around this. And then you have Thomas Rainwater on the other hand, who's trying to like recapture the, the kind of stolen capital capital of of like you know a disenfranchised population fundamentally right the whole conversation he's having about the way that like the reservation isn't a location that like generates revenue for the native american community and that they can utilize this this casino to build something bigger for them i i think you're spot on the themes of like making both these guys relatable in a way and approachable mm -hmm. in the sense that they're not just like narcissistic megalomaniacs that may be part of what's going on there but they're trying to do something that they believe is like for the betterment of people beyond just themselves like to some degree what john is saying to this candidate i want what's best for montana i mean john believes what's best for montana is best for his family what's best for him will be best for montana Correct. which is a point that we can debate and why we're here but he does believe this i think in his own mind right Mm -hmm. I do. I do like the insight into a little bit more into the Thomas Rainwater side of things uh, and, and Monica, too, in terms of um, this is not something I necessarily knew was in was in the show, um, which is which is this discussion about, like, why do you want to build another casino? And he's like, because yeah. you can create businesses around it. And he's essentially like, you know, if John is looking out for the Duttons and people who work for the Duttons, Thomas is looking out for his community and that he's the the chief of their tribe. So on the reservation and um, and then and so Monica and we've gotten through we've gotten bits of that. Like, I think in the first episode, it's pretty well articulated um, uh, when there's a scene with with Thomas, I think, in in his office. He's wearing um, the, the headdress. Um, uh, but then also, you know, when he goes to talk to that kid and he's like trying, you know, he's just like yep. the, the problems are so much bigger than than just their trouble. He's doing his best. And then Monica, I do. I do actually do enjoy the scene where she goes and, and they talk about, you know, he's like. Uh, she's like American history class. Okay. What, what history am I teaching? And he's like, whatever yep. you want. Like, you know, he's like, okay. She's like, I'm not going to say that Columbus is a, a great dude. Basically. Um, I think it's great that it's in here. I, I was not, I didn't know that this is um, a focus of the show to a degree. And the fact that they're spending time here in the, um, at the beginning of the season, I think is great. So. Yeah. 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 You talked about, um, I mean, I, I joked a good deal about how like Tate is not my favorite and like the Monica and Casey storyline serves as such a vehicle for just ridiculous over the top drama in season one. Yeah. I think that the strongest stuff is the emotional weight of these two people in a relationship. Right. Um, and the way that, that Casey's decision has complicated all that. So I really like the reframing here. I think this is like my favorite Monica scene hands down yeah. of the show so far, the yeah. way that she's situates herself with this professor and she's like actualized a bit she knows what she wants and even the way that she talks to casey about i don't want to keep you away from your son but i need to shield our son from what you've done yeah. and from all and if you wake him up you, you got to put him back to sleep you like <laughs> it's that very, it's very good i like that. the babysitter the, the one thing that. i'm really interested in is um i do think sometimes i there is like a um an age at which children i think are are especially funding and then there's an age where they can like sometimes get um you know, more annoying. Um, so I am interested. You, you, you have five, like four and a half seasons worth of Tate to, that you yes. have seen. So I am intrigued to see if my opinion of Tate <laughs> changes uh, over the course of as uh, this young child actor grows up and, and gets older. Well, we're we'll clarifying. See. I'm not a yeah. good bluffer. Uh, all of my criticism of Tate thus far have been about the things that we've seen thus far. Okay. I found myself just deeply offended when he fell in the river at that point. And that's just real projection, Grace, because as a kid that spent a lot of time around <laughs> uh, rivers and was uh, constantly threatened about what would happen to me if I fell into them. Yeah, I knew how to step real careful. Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, the, the Monica and like Casey stuff is obviously pretty minimal here, but but you how'd yeah. you feel about it in terms of the way it's like framing their relationship moving forward? Was this like a change or did it fulfill your expectations? What I think, what thing I do really like, I the Monica and Casey stuff is fine. This one scene is 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 good. I think what I really like is as Casey gets driven back to John and becomes a man who. Is 
is useful for John? How much does he hate who he's becoming? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and, and I think it's in, actually pretty prominent in terms of like the, the difference between him and Rip, but then also him and Walker, um, Walker being like maybe the most morally upstanding, uh, uh, ranch hand, um, in the bunkhouse, right. Being like, I'm not doing that, you know, but Casey, you know, doesn't even like think twice about some of the stuff nope. he's doing. So I think that it, to me is really interesting is, and it's where I've, I've loved the show. And it's, that has mostly been about John, about how John is this sweet grandfather and also sent a man off to be killed. And so Casey being the idea that he would be pulled back in to be protected, but the more he gets pulled back in, the more um, of a man he probably doesn't want to be uh, that seeps back into him. I think that's like, endlessly fascinating it's tremendous yeah john i mean a, a beloved grandfather certainly but also willing to excommunicate one of his two surviving sons over like what exactly his refusal to like step out of a race in, yeah. in a major political position that would be very useful for john in the long run i think it's really compelling both mm -hmm. these points okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I want to talk a bit about Walker, but just staying on Casey and the rip stuff, we're seeing this like power shift. Like I joked a lot about the scene where the two of them just fight in the middle of a field just for like cowboy stuff you know? <laughs> they start like throwing punches in season one and it's so ridiculous but we get this guy who rolls up he's gonna call himself cowboy which is just like too ridiculous um and i really love the actor it's delightful to like see him pop up in anything absolutely uh stole episodes of the leftovers so i, I always love stephen williams turning up but john notably like sends this guy to casey and not yeah. rip and it's like yeah. you gotta go talk to him and casey's the one who like goes to rip to make the call about like we're gonna go turn a bull loose in the bar and ultimately he says to rip at a certain point like you don't get to tell me what to do anymore are you intrigued by this like power struggle between the two do you feel like that they're setting up a power yeah. struggle there well yeah i think so for sure and i think it's interesting that like rip is not uh not john's kid so if yep. if there's somebody else who could do it who's not rip who is blood related to john i think he wants that person to do it this is a man who like does does have a little bit of that in him. and as much as he loves rip that's not his son right so i you know and he saved him as a boy right we saw that flashback so i kind of love 
I love that as well. I do think that that's really interesting of setting up this power dynamic between Rip and Casey as Rip is this person who has more than Casey shown that he is loyal to John Dunn. And yet oh, yeah. he has the one thing he can never, like Casey has one thing that, that Rip can never have. He is the biological son of John Dunn. So I think that that is pretty fun territory to play in as like Casey is becoming more of a man that he probably doesn't want to be. Whereas Rip, maybe Rip doesn't want to be like this guy, like, but all in, from everything we've seen, he's pretty, pretty comfortable being, you know, John Dutton's uh, right hand man. Yeah, Rip is ruthless and merciless and fully committed to this role, right? I mean, he's a really uh, brutal character, I think. There's things to empathize about with him. We saw his background is uh, incredibly tragic and harrowing. I thought it was a really strong like reflection on where this character comes from and why we find him rooted in this ranch and so dedicated as the way he is. This one felt very relatable to me as a person that's worked for a lot of like mid-level kind of family companies. Mm-hmm. The notion of like, no matter how treasured or how valuable or how critical or integral of an employee you are, no matter how much dedication or how much of your life you have given away to this company, at the end of the day, the name means a lot. And the name up on the sign at the end is Dutton. And that is Casey's last name. Rich, I I don't know if this is a good time or not, but I am telling you next week, you and I have been kicked off the podcast for Josh Wiggler's twin sons, Josh Wiggler Jr. and John Wiggler. So. I hate those kids. Yeah, there's a reason <laughs> that you never hear about them on this podcast. Anymore. I do love Josh and the sweet Emily Fox, but those kids can get wrecked. Stay away from my podcast. Jay Jr. and John and John Wiggler. JW, Jay. I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up, but I thought I would. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mean it, Josh. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I love, I love your children. They're great. They're great. They're great. Uh, um, uh, can we talk about Stephen Williams showing up on the show and being yeah, can a we, character please? named called Cowboy? Boy, that's the yeah, best. and that they the all best. make fun of him for being called so cowboy. Good. It's so good, dude. So good. He's like, yeah, it's like, of course it'd be like, of course somebody's name would be cowboy. Like, it's a great nickname for somebody who's a cowboy. Then you hang out with all these other cowboys, and <laughs> you know, it doesn't maybe quite fit. But that's what he's been known by his whole life. I love cowboy. It's great. I love Cowboy, too. He's very fun. He just comes in as this, like, wizened older guy who's like, take no BS. He's giving crap to everybody at the table. <laughs> like, he's like, I didn't say you can't do it. I said he can't do it, and he definitely is screwed. Him, like, giving Jimmy crap. I know, like, my affection for Jimmy in season one probably seemed a bit irrational and unusual to you, but Jimmy is just such a goof and, like, so the fish out of water that it's endlessly entertaining for me to watch Jimmy be incompetent at this job grace um pretty pretty fun jim episode jimmy is uh <laughs> there's a line from john when he's like they're talking about the cows and he's like yeah his only job is to f and he hasn't done it for like f- however long six months six yeah. months or whatever so that's pretty fun and then i did my fa- i think my favorite jimmy moment uh ever happened when he sticks up at the for at the bar i'm like okay you know it's so funny because i'm like this is like the exact toxic toxic masculinity that i don't exactly want like from both of them i think from both like the guy bothering the girl at the bar and also jimmy being like i shall defend her honor because this is a woman who like as we've seen seemingly like they play that game of cowboy poker on like that is like all planned to like test her right avery isn't that that my implication is that john comes out like how'd she do and he's like yeah she didn't she like just as we thought she like didn't it's rip yeah it's rip but still yes i didn't think it's just to test avery right it's a little bit like one of those giving them hell but she wins the game right Right. i mean so she's the boldest yeah so she doesn't need the you know sticking up for in the bar but jimmy does and so it's like yeah this show has got me where i'm like yeah you go jimmy like you do it and then it gets beat up and i feel bad but yeah i did i did like i like so i think the thing for me in season one is that jimmy has almost no character growth uh like basically none he's like basically where he ends up at the end of the season is almost the only the scene I love is when he gets his cowboy hat and they like are like you're doing it because that implies that he's like shown them something that is worth even if I like you know as I'm saying it's like all toxic masculinity stuff but I do like this scene because it shows like he's kind of like he's got them on uh, you know on his back and then they're gonna go and beat the crap out of these guys because they beat up Jimmy so yeah. Yep. Jimmy, I mean, serves as the butt of the joke in season one, right? There's not like a huge arc there. There's not a lot of growth. We do get somewhere at the end of like acceptance, I, at least from yeah, the gang. I think, it, I think for me, it's like, we don't really see a moment where like, 
like why they would buy him a hat. Like we don't really see why they would do that, which presumably is there. Like something happens that they're like, yeah, this kid's got it. We're going to buy him a hat, you know, like he's worthy of it. He's proven it. And I feel like we kind of like skip over that part, which like would have been stronger for Jimmy's story arc, but it's fine. He's there now. He's like sticking up, you know, he's getting in fights at the bar. So yeah. Yep. It's pretty great. But back to like the Stephen Williams of it all. I do love seeing this guy show up. I just forgot that he was in the show. Even I was like so delighted for him to pop back in, but the connection with him and Walker and the conversation they have this notion of, you know, you talk about Walker as the most morally upstanding. And I think that's certainly a fair read. Who's the pr- but, he's a prisoner. <laughs> he's yeah, a, but I think oh, it's well, about yeah. the fact that Walker, above all of these others, has faced repercussions for his actions, right? right? Walker fully understands, like, the weight of the position that they're in, which is that, like, the cops are never going to come cuff John Dutton for us, like, beating these right. men within an inch of their lives outside the right. bar. They're going right. to come round up us, and I'm not going back to jail for this rich man and his rich family. And I think that there's some juice to that. The notion that he wants to like be a better man and he's conflicted by it. He's done some dark stuff, right? Like there's an implication there of like, oh, the ex-con that we picked up outside of prison. But fundamentally, he's talking about them with cowboy grace is like, yeah, it's like that place down on the border that used to run guns and drugs and like all of it. And and cowboys like there ain't no border up here. Walker says, oh, there is. We just can't see it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the notion that like they're living on the border of kind of like the law and there is this real old west mentality in the modern era that is being like perpetuated here on the yellowstone and puts these like uh again like the disenfranchised people the actual have-nots who live in a bunkhouse and have to like drink beer all saturday night off on the grounds like they're the ones in the line of fire not the duttons and walker seems like just acutely aware of this in a way that everybody else is kind of completely overlooking grace Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah uh yeah i don't yeah it, i i like it. i think it's i think it's i think it's I, walker is i was not expecting to like him as much as i i did when he sh- when he showed up i think it's being like you know sometimes in these shows like when you like get introduced later it's a little bit because you're like no i have these people that i like but yeah I think these are my really, loyal favorites yeah yeah but yeah. he's he, i think he's like a really strong he, i think he's so strongly written um and also a great singer because i know he's played by a country singer but um yeah yeah cool. ryan bingham uh, i know yeah. he's like a fan favorite character he's a lot of people really love him but i think he gets a lot of that kind of reaction that you're talking about because he comes in a little late he's outside mm-hmm. the crew uh he's made he's like a very very pretty man you know yeah. <laughs> so i think yeah. like, that very makes it easy yeah. for people to root yeah. against him next to a jimmy you know no no shade can uh, i just say but, we've talked about the the bar scene but like jimmy gets beat up and then they're gonna go back and they're plan is to release the bull into the bar you like this i love it i love it i think it's like i think like me trying to figure out like what this show is and you've taught you said it's like soap opera a lot and again we're saying that not i don't think as an insult it's like that's no, just like, that's like the, yeah yeah that's the like kind of momentum they're 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 playing with and so yeah the idea that like in this small town they would get like the way they get revenge is like to to unload the bu- the bull in the bar and then as they're all running out of the bar get jimmy to like identify them and then they hit them with baseball bats is pretty tremendous it's i it's absolutely super memorable um i think it's i think it actually like it's not bad like so ariel always says this thing on push recaps theater which he'll go if it's like a movie that's like it wasn't our favorite but it was like well it wasn't boring I'll remember this forever. I'll remember like, the bull in the bar and then them attacking the men. Like it's so memorable. So like not quite, it's not boring because I did, I, I was really enjoying it, but I think it's very memorable. Uh, to read the Oxford language definition of soap opera, a television or a radio drama series dealing typically with the daily events in the lives of the same group of characters. Yeah, we're there, right? <laughs> like, that's what we're doing. And I do think it's great. Like the opera part of it, the drama is just so big and kind of ridiculous, you know. Um, the, the, I'm with you where it's a really memorable scene. One of my favorite parts is quietly just Casey and Rip opening the door yeah. and like yeah, the yeah. train being backed up yeah, and they're messing yeah, with it and everything yeah. is still happening in the bar and the whole yeah. way it's shot like i mean it's the proverbial bull of the china shop grace right yeah. like this thing we never really see and it could have been way over the top like the fact that it's not a bunch of ridiculous dramatic effects of like the pool table flying across the room no. it's like people panicking as they jump up onto yeah. the tables and the bull like slowly getting incrementally more and more agitated the fact that they even have to like do the follow-up of putting the bull 
back in the trailer at yeah. the end. I love, yeah. I love these kind yeah. of little details really add to it. And them all like screaming at Jimmy of like IDing these guys as they come who <laughs> It's great. And Jimmy's like enthusiasm, like in the way that we see Walker's reticence to get on board, like Jimmy's all in at this point, right? Jimmy, like he's talking to Avery about it. And she's like, oh, the rest of my family's all dead or in jail. He's like, yeah, me too. You know, yeah. this is the reason oh, yeah. he's like up here. Is that oh, yeah. Like, I thought that was really strong too. It's like, yeah. yeah. And she kind of like dismisses him. And then he says it again. He says, no, that's what I'm saying. You and I are the, like, we have the same story or whatever. And she goes, yep. well, I don't have any family. He goes, I know that's the same. It's really good. I think I also think in this scene, like Casey being the one to be like, yeah, maybe next time I'll burn your bar down. If you don't like, you know, get your bouncers to stick on anybody who gets beat. I don't know. That was like, it's like, this is the, he's, he's like breaking bad, you know, we're like watching. Oh yeah. Show. Yeah. And I, and Rip gives him this look, right? Because Rip is a little bit more practiced in this right. art. Of, right. uh, well, Rip said when, it, Rip said everything. And then Casey's like, yeah, I'll burn out your bar. It's like, come on. Right. Like, it, I said the cool ass line. <laughs> You it's know? just it's the sense yeah. of I read it as almost like entitlement, you know, yeah. the notion that like it's the same thing Jimmy is saying to Avery before the fight breaks out. Like we're from the Yellowstone. Nobody's going to F with us. Right. And and in Casey, we kind oh, of I love that. Agree, like the prince apparent. Right. This is the heir apparent, the prodigal son in a certain way. And and the fact that he's beginning to like drink the Kool-Aid grace of like, oh, yes, I'm here from the Yellowstone. So I can actively like threaten arson on your building. Like what Rip's saying is like menacing and implied, but like there's no open threat of the future. And Casey like just takes it to 11, you know, and there's a little bit of I read it as like Rip looking at him like too far, like too far, man, too far. Also, a great, uh, a great Jimmy moment is um, we're from the Yellowstone. Nobody will touch us. And then him being yanked from behind to get beat up. It's, very, <laughs> pretty, good. it's pretty great. It's pretty great. It's pretty great stuff. Um, let's talk about Beth a little bit. Jamie really barely gets anything here. He's still on the campaign trail. Uh, he's hanging out with this campaign staff. That's about it. We see him being like impatient with the coffee. Uh, that's a thing I would have done in my 20s, Grace. I won't lie. Yeah. Yeah, you would have. Yeah. I probably would have. I, I I drink a lot of coffee and I, I like good coffee, coffee but yeah. I so I get so offended. I remember like the age of Starbucks coming on huge and the venties and the this and the that. And I still just say small, medium and large. Like there's a little bit of me that's really indignant at the notion that I can't just ask for a large coffee somewhere. Um, so like I could relate to Jamie a little bit. I just don't know that there's a heck of a lot to talk about there. Uh, the best stuff. You know what, no, very interesting. Yeah. The James, I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I think, I think it's more interesting the unfortunately for jamie it's more interesting what's happening about jamie than it is yes. what jamie is doing the fact that they're going to run this this um attractive woman candidate um uh, who looks just like beth is hilarious as well um but uh just to speak on the coffee thing i will say i am typically just like a coffee drink and actually i've said before on podcast my brother makes fun of me this all the time but i will i will happily drink like a bad cup of diner coffee yeah like some of my, you know i'm just like delighted you know so yeah great. but um i did go to a conference and my boss kept being like Get, let's get lattes. I'm like, okay, so get a latte. And I was like, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Lattes, pretty good. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm a good Italian. I got an espresso machine yeah. in my house. I can make yeah. you a nice foam. I'll make you a latte. I'll make you a cappuccino. Whatever yeah. you want, Grace. But at the point that yeah. I'm standing in line with 20 people behind me, I got real social anxiety. I just want my coffee to get the hell out of here. Don't tell me I got to let my coffee rest before I drink it. This Fair. is Jamie's Fair. like toughest moment of the series. Is yeah. him like mean mother? Yeah, that's right. Barista <laughs> as yeah. he drinks the coffee. I'm like, yeah. God damn, Jamie. Yeah. You kind of suck, Jamie. You kind of yeah. suck. But yeah. Beth, meanwhile, is moving and shaking. She's like rented this space. She's going to go talk to her boss. And they've come up with like this real long game of a plan here, Grace. Like, did you follow all this? I don't think we need to like necessarily follow the details, but but we get the gist, right? Buy the land. Isn't that it? Yeah. Buy the land. Yeah. Everyone will make money. Everyone yeah. will make money if you buy all the land. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of buy the land, right? And this is like basically back to the to Thomas Rainwater and Dan's thing is like buy the, like not buy but like make the land casino land like make it you mm -hmm. know owned mm -hmm. by the tribe so that there's no there's not as much regulation and they can succeed. And Dan's trying to figure out who he can make money. I I'm kind of a little bit like I I was I was super trick. I really wanted the moment where Beth could be like, Hey Dan, I own your company, but I don't know if. Uh, I got no spoil. I haven't seen ahead, so I don't know if that's happening or not. But I was most intrigued by that. But it seems like we're on to to potentially Plan B. But it, the stock seemed really low at one point, so it was like you know. Anyway, 
It did. She's got an agenda. I mean, we're in a pretty compressed timeline. Things are happening very quickly and they will continue to happen pretty quickly on Yellowstone. Like this isn't months later, you know, <laughs> we're still like picking pretty much right back up in that John's surprise. Dan can even like talk after being cut down from yeah. his rope. So we'll yeah. see how it plays. But I, I really, you know, I love some of the stuff that Beth is talking about. Again, agriculture is an industry that I've got some experience with. And as a person that lives in rural uh, America, like hearing these things that are sometimes very shocking to a uh, more metropolitan audience that isn't necessarily aware like oh yeah the federal government will pay you out to not grow cops in order to like moderate the amount of supply in the market to like control pricing like there's a lot of really rough stuff that happens within like wide-scale agriculture and I, I just loved some of what Beth is getting into but her one line that I think just resonates so well is like I'm looking to build a 200 square mile boat around my father's property. Like that's what I'm looking to do. And ultimately she's like found all the loopholes. It's the story of like, it takes it to make it grace. Like mm -hmm. they have enough resources, this company and her boss to, to buy up all this land and to like sit on it for the long haul, such that the government kickbacks will end up paying for all of it. And they can just sit there and like make money, making money, having money. Uh, so that and always I, like feels bad and I think like frames yeah. them as like some real nefarious agents of evil at least in my mind yeah. you know well but I believe the like alternative plan right was to like buy all the land near and I know like the river got moved and whatever but the idea was like basically to make it so that like it was too um like it, w it would be so expensive for John to keep his land, I think. Yeah. So Dan wants to build a condo development. And once you start increasing uh, real estate properties on that scale, when you're dealing with like acreage that big, it like, it accumulates fast, right? Like small modifiers. Isn't this ta property tax? Built. Isn't this what we're done to like, isn't a lot of this, this is all property tax stuff. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. 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 Uh, the idea being that, like, if you build this giant condo development, the property taxes will skyrocket and make it un unmanageable for a like kind of failing ranch to be able to pay the bills. Right. The ranching is not like a super profitable industry for these guys. It's a lot of like expense. And so that's the fear. So I do think it's really interesting. The flip side of that to buy all the land and see none of it developed. So to, so that you can like stabilize the property taxes by utilizing like a series of loopholes from like high-end business folks you know hmm. I, yeah. I it's funny because i do think it's interesting but it's like you know but it's like kind of like in terms of like stuff we normally talk about on podcasts i'm certainly not the expert on property tax so you know but yeah. it's like ah family drama yeah <laughs> we, do, we do love that part um, um is there anything else major that you wanted to dive into that we haven't talked about yet no, I think we've hit pretty much everything. I think even like all the little fun stuff that's in this episode, like is, uh, has, has been, we've, we've covered it. So, yeah. I agree. Um, I think uh, season two starts strong. I'm really excited to talk through the rest of it with you, Grace. I feel like you can feel that they're kind of hitting their stride a little bit. Some of the complaints that I had through season one begin to fall away. So we'll see if that holds true as we continue digging through it. I, the rumor I've heard, I think, is that this and the next one are the best seasons of Yellowstone. So I don't know how true that statement is. And you can uh, take that or leave it and you can respond how you would want. But uh, that's what I've heard that two and three are the strongest of any Yellowstone properties. This is what I've heard. did your dad, Taylor Sheridan tell you that, that was my dad. No, my dad yeah. said they're all equally the best. Yeah. He would <laughs> yeah. say that hard yeah. to pick your favorites. Yeah. I do want to say very quickly, I believe coming very soon is um, Lawman Bass Reeves. And I believe Chappelle and Jason are going to be covering that on post-show recaps. I believe that starts this Sunday. Uh, it's either airing Sunday or Monday. I can't quite sure. But I believe Chappelle and Jason will be covering Lawman Bass Reeves, which is another Taylor Sheridan Yellowstone spinoff. So I'm excited uh, for there to be coverage of that on post-show recaps. I didn't realize Sheridan had that one. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for Lawman Bass Reeves. Uh, popularized a little bit, like Once time Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Uh, he's been like discussed recently in a couple of uh, uh, pop culture joints. And so I'm like psyched to see what that show it, looks like. It It'll almost was 1883, the Bass Reeves story, but then they, 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 uh, it was going to be an offshoot to 1883, uh, which itself is a prequel to Yellowstone, right? 
But these now, guys are getting a little bit carried away. <laughs> I got to say, man, like I really like 1883. I think 1883 uh-huh. is the best of the peripheral Yellowstone properties. Uh-huh. I think 1923 was also really fun, but it doesn't have Sam Elliott. So it's already at a tough one. Tulsa King. Look, if you like Stallone, <laughs> Tulsa King's like a fun afternoon to spend, you know, but it is just like out there, man. So, and I'm really curious what this McConaughey joint looks like. Like McConaughey, I think it's so like peaks and valleys. Sometimes that guy is like absolutely incredible and sometimes he's in properties that he's just there to be matthew mcconaughey rich can i tell you i'm just gonna break some news that uh uh, not officially confirmed um but just about uh, 10 minutes into the podcast we're recording the hollywood reporter has uh has um said that they believe that uh sag aftra and the amtp appear to be within reach of an agreement so um breaking news live on air um, well, fingers crossed. Very fun. Does not mean it's approved. Does not mean they've reached an agreement. But it seems like they are very close. As the Hollywood Reporter is reporting again, we want to wait till SAG-AFTRA releases a statement. It's been a lot of discussion whether week. it's been. But yeah. yep. Uh, fingers crossed for them. We certainly want like the Actors Guild to to be able to get what they are looking for in these contract yes. negotiations. Yes. It is a real like scary space out there, uh, certainly in the streaming era of TV. And those guys are like fighting for what they are due. So I hope that we do get a resolution, and I hope All that I'm it's a favorable that that, one for them. And that means Matthew McConaughey could potentially start filming this uh, this Yellowstone sequel so all right all right all All right right. grace we will be back next Uh week we'll be talking about episodes two and three uh together in season two of yellowstone here until then what do you got going on where can people find you uh, I'm doing a lot. I'm covering with Ariel, so I'm doing the morning show, and uh, and then uh, you, Ariel, and I are covering Tales from the Loop. Um, you and I have uh, officially, as of, wrapped up our episodic coverage of the fall of Rome. Um, we'll probably have some bonus pods coming your way. Um, our coverage of our flag means death. Our, again, our episodic coverage wrapped up. We're looking to do a bonus show on that. Jess and I are talking full spoiler recaps, uh, which is a different uh, full season of a TV show every week. Ariel and I are talking movies. We talked about five nights at freddy's which uh is the only movie this year where i saw got a full-on applause at the end of the movie and it's my least favorite movie of the year so amazing it's got a hardcore fan base people love five nights at freddy's it's quite a game and it's it's for the youths maybe grace uh maybe i think i said this on the pod uh uh rich as much as i would like it to be so not every movie is made for me and that's okay so nope that's totally okay i'm I'm on social that high from grace yeah sorry Oh, yeah. No, no problem. I'm DM Philly in all the places. Hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. I'm talking about a bunch of TV with you. I'm getting ready for some Beacon 23 coverage with myself and the great Corey B. That's going to be coming up over on MGM Plus. uh, That's with uh, uh, Cersei, right? Yes, our girl Lena Headey uh, returning to the small screen in Beacon 23. You got the MGM Plus beat going, huh? I do, apparently. Yeah, talking about the the finale of The Winter King. Prez and I will be back this week talking about episodes 9 and 10, the recap Uh finale for that. All the stuff that Grace mentioned, probably a couple other things that I'm forgetting. But you will find out about all of them if you are uh, paying attention to my social medias. We'll be back next week talking about episodes 2 and 3. But until then, just be careful of the bulls in the bar. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 